Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hey, everybody. Chad Madden here, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Practice podcast. Uh, today, we have a, a, I know I always say very special guest. This one happens to be um, one of my best friends, uh, probably my best friend in uh, PT. Uh, pretty unique story. Uh, we're really going to get into this. Um, very much looking forward to it. But our, our guest today is uh, physical therapist, DPT practice owner, Dan Neff. Dan is here in, uh, is originally from uh, Quarryville, Pennsylvania, uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, about 45 minutes uh, south of um where I record from here. Uh, Dan's a great guy. I think you're going to love this episode. So welcome to the podcast here, Dan. Thanks for the invite, Chad. Awesome. So um, we grew up in Quarryville. What, what did you do after high school? I know you had a pretty um, uh, storied uh, wrestling career in uh, high school and college. What did that look like? How did you eventually go from that to get it involved in uh, physical therapy? Yeah, that wrestling career was a long time ago, but yeah, so essentially I got hurt my sophomore year in high school, uh, tore my meniscus, had surgery, went to PT, kind of a lot of our stories, right? It was like, hey, this is a pretty cool field, like looks awesome. So got to compete at the division one level, went in there with all the intensive uh, purpose to get into physical therapy and sat down with the coach and he's like, I, oh, you can't take that. Like, that's way too hard. Like you're, there's no way you can compete and take this schedule. So he changed, completely changed my schedule. And, you know, five years later, four years later, I had a good career and essentially had a crap degree. So, um, you know, I went on at that point, I'm like, ah, oh, wrestling's going to be my career. I was trying to make a world team and Olympic team and went on and I went, went to George Mason after that and uh, got my master's degree, was coaching um, and got a job in Iowa. I was coaching, trying to make a, a world team and just it didn't happen for me. So at that point now I have two small children and I need to go back to school and figure out what I'm going to do with my life. So. I ended up moving back home and essentially um, a few years, but then I essentially went back to DPT school. Hey, podcast listeners, when we make assumptions about others, it's just not fair. In spite of that, I'm going to make an assumption about you. You have a growth mindset. You want to help more people, leave a bigger impact, build a better practice. Am I close? If I'm right, then I have a unique offer that I think you'll be interested in. But first, if you're a regular listener, you probably know that this is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for private practice growth. Breakthrough's mission is to help people in pain get back to normal, live healthier, and do it naturally. The best way to do this is by empowering private practice owners like you to grow your business through direct-to-consumer marketing. If you're a practice owner with a growth mindset, you'd benefit from a risk-free consultation with a Breakthrough growth expert. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer to take advantage of this unique opportunity. 
On that call, you'll learn the key principles of how practice owners are helping more people, creating a bigger impact, and building better businesses with Breakthrough Systems. As an added bonus, the team at Breakthrough is giving a $50 Amazon gift card to any of the podcast listeners who attend this growth consultation. Sign up for your growth consultation and $50 gift card at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Again, that's getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Nice. And that is how we met. And it, uh, when you were in DPT school at um, Lebanon Valley College, um, I, I remember, so I was invited in, I believe by Mike Lear um, to, it was a 50, 45 minute or 50 minute manual therapy demonstration. And I remember doing a, a, a supine thoracic thrust. I forget what her name was. Uh, I'm thinking Kristen, and I know that's not right. But there was a pretty significant cavitation. Half of the class, you know, their jaws just they uh, their jaws just you know bounced off the desks. And uh, I remember like looking at, and you were standing right there, like trying to get every little detail of exactly what I was doing. And then ultimately, you uh, came for a 16 week clinical to our to our our, uh, our practice, our very young uh, Madden PT at the time. What, how close am I to remembering that correctly? Because uh, we're both a little bit more gray than we were then. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it went. I guess uh, the old saying, you had me a crack. So as soon oh. as I got there, I was like, all right, I'm, wherever this guy is, that's where I'm going. Nice. Um, so I know you, you were driving uh, an hour plus uh, one, one way um, to do that for the entire time. Shortly thereafter, um, you another unique story is you basically um, had experience at a pops practice, and that became your private practice overnight, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. Yeah, so it was a situation where uh, I, when I came back, I started working for a, a work hardening company and um, kind of doing like physiology type type things, and uh, Anyway, it, it, some things broke down, they sold. And essentially I went out, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something more significant. So I had a good friend who was a, um, a family doctor. So talked to them. We talked about starting a physical therapy practice, um, started that practice. But then as I went through DPT school, I was like, ah, like this isn't right. Like physicians and physical therapists should not have a relation a financial relationship together because what was happening was we had a couple practitioners in a couple clinics that were essentially i mean they would get patients better but you know they weren't putting their hands on the patients they weren't doing any um significant treatment with that patient but yet we can and and, and they were getting maybe half the patients better but yeah, we continue to funnel patients into them because it was a financial benefit. So at the end of uh, when I when I finally uh, finished DPT school, I basically said to the group like, "Hey, like I can't be a part of this group anymore. Like I'm going to go out on my own. If you want to send patients to us, you know, because we're doing some different things here uh, with this manual therapy, then great. If not." But if not, I can't have this financial relationship anymore. 
So one of the practice owners went really well with the other, not so well, but yeah, that's how it, that's how it rolled out. And in the end, it all worked out, right? It did. It did. Great. So what does, um, fast forward to today, what does your practice look like today? Just for context. So we have, um, we have our main flagship uh, in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. So that has two full-time teams and one part-time team. And then we have a uh, branch practice that we started two years ago now uh, in Willow Street, Pennsylvania, about 15 miles north of that. And that has two full teams. Um, and we just purchased uh, a third building um, where we're going to have uh, a practice in Oxford, Pennsylvania, um, as soon as the build out occurs. Great. Um, yeah, I know just from being in the clinic, you're essentially the mayor of uh, Quarryville. And <laughs> everybody knows who you are and uh, you have a great reputation there. Um, the, the other thing that I wanted to say, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but I... Um, when we were at LVC doing the class and you said, you know, you had me at crack. I remember for your um, in-service, when you were a DPT student, you did uh, an in-service on vestibular rehab and the presentation was just so much more than I had ever actually been exposed to myself. Um, do you remember doing that at all? I do. Yep. It, yeah, it was, it was very thorough and legit. Um, and I was like, oh, this, this guy's, this guy's unique and different and uh, world-class going to put the time in. Um, so a lot of different directions we go to here. We talked a little bit about private practice. Um, I, I know, you know, you're huge on manual therapy with like full disclosure with, um, you know, with breakthrough manual therapy, you're teaching manual therapy courses all over the country. Can you talk about that? Uh, maybe throw in there, you know, the vision of flipping the pyramid your passion for private practice PT and ultimately what we can do with musculoskeletal and uh, neuromuscular health. Sure. So, <clears throat> you know, when we, when we talk about having an autonomous practice, right, that, that, that's the vision that we have for physical therapy. And that's, that's the goal of breakthrough manual therapy. We want to try to get out there and create a healthcare society where physical therapy is the, the, the first choice. And I know we hear that a lot, but we are the right practitioners. I get to spend a lot of time with MDs and DOs um, and they do an amazing job at a lot of different things, but we are very, very good at musculoskeletal evaluation and we're good at healing uh, these type of injuries. But for us to be truly autonomous, we have to get patients better and we have to get patients better on a consistent basis. We can't just have like a good clinic here and a good clinic there and have all this variety uh, throughout our profession. We, we have to be able to put out a product that consistently allows patients to leave our facility and go out and scream our name like you have to go there. Um, like I was at a bunch of different practitioners and no one fixed me and I went there and my pain's gone. Like that's, that's where we need to get to, to change the public view so that we are the first providers. Um, so that's the goal of essentially the, the, the manual therapy part of it. 
because we found this system that um, we, we do significantly change patients, like consistently um, placing our hands on the patient and going to a neurophysiological approach by treating the spine first, we've created this um, process. And I know we do it in Harrisburg at your facilities. Um, we do it in Quarryville where patients come and see us first because they know that they're going to get better every time that they come in. So um, with, with humbly saying that, we just want to try to share some of um, what we do and what we've learned in the system that we use uh, with our colleagues so we can kind of help physical therapy grow to that autonomous practice. Great. And I know uh, a personal conversation that you and I had just a week or two ago, you were talking about um, uh, inguinal pain with suspected hip OA really having an L1 uh, restriction. Um, so can you, can you talk through that or even uh, what you've seen work really well with like adhesive capsulitis and how you think through the science behind um, helping those types of pathologies? Yeah, so just trying to um, think outside the box. So you have your 55-year-old patient that comes in, right? They have inguinal pain. And we know just screening that patient out for hip OA. So you take that patient into hip flexion. They have full hip flexion, right? Now they have a, they have a, a radiograph that says they have hip arthritis. So you take them into flexion, they have full flexion right? No pain. You take them into internal rotation, they have full internal rotation. So you're like, oh, like, you know, when we look at research, we're talking cluster tests. When someone has arthritic hip, what do we lose? We lose hip flexion and internal rotation grossly. So now you have a diagnosis of arthritis because they have um, a, uh, a hip x-ray that's positive, but yet they have no arthritic no arthritic uh, components to your eval. It's basically benign. So what are you going to do with that patient? Like, you're going to strengthen their hip or they have inguinal pain. Are you going to do transverse friction massage on their, you know, tensor fascia lata or their, you know, uh, hip flexor? Like, what, you're going to just roll their hip out? No, like, it's not coming from their hip. So when we look at the peripheral, um, when we look at the peripheral nerve innervation of L1 and 2, the ilioinguinal and general femoral nerves, it's the inguinal region. So if you have a restriction in the upper part of the lumbar spine that's causing inflammation, fibrosis, irritation to the nerve, it's going to show up at the inguinal in the inguinal region in that patient. So flip that patient over first before you do anything else. Screen out their their lumbar spine, treat any restrictions in that upper, you know, lumbothoracic uh, region, flip them back over, retest them on something that hurts, and almost always those patients are better. So we are seeing that the more and more we go to the spine, the more and more we change these patients. So I could keep going on how that works, but. Well, well that's great. You, you basically led to a, a result on the first visit and and that would be the type of patient who has failed other treatments right yeah i think because what ends up happening is the patient has inguinal pain right we we tried stretching their hip out we're just 
stretching and irritated tissue already. Um, we tried rolling their hip out. Well, the, the source of the pain is not originating from that region. Yeah, great. So uh, completely understand. Now talk with, okay, so you see the patient on the first visit. I know one of the big knee-jerk reactions for many clinicians is, well, if everybody that I saw, I got better on the first visit, what are we doing? And I know in our clinic, we do the three phases of healing uh, where we go through that uh, UPN or University of Pittsburgh model where we're talking about reduction of inflammation and pain first. And then we talk about normalized uh, or restoration of normal range of motion and uh, other objective measures like strength. And then finally, we're doing return to function. So I come in, I have the um, I have hip pain. I'm feeling 75, 80% better after the first visit. What are the next steps of my rehab proc, my rehab process? How do you think through that? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there, there are a bunch of things that have to happen, right? The patient has to be, has to be pain-free or doing really well for at least a week. They can't come in for one visit and say, Hey, I'm, I'm fixed. I'm pain-free, right? We want to see that. We want to see that extend. Um, the, the restrictions have to be gone. So you have to have some objective way of saying like, why, why am I like mobilizing this patient's spine? Are right? you just, all right, they're, you know, they're, they have back pain. So you're, are you just going to go and, and crack someone's back or no, like there has to be a reason why you're doing that. And that's one of the things that we try to push for through the restriction-based approaches. We don't, we don't mobilize healthy tissue. Like there has to be a restriction there. And if there's a restriction, there's a potential reason why that patient continues to have pain. So number two, they have to, the restrictions have to be cleared or pretty much gone. You know, you have an 80 year old person, you're not going to get all of their restrictions in their spine gone, right? But, but they're better overall. You know, they have to, they have to have their full strength um, return. So all that, those neural structures and those neuromuscular connections have to be restored. They have to have uh, full strength. Uh, and then they have to return to the functional tasks that they wanted to do um, when they first came in. You know, if they, they wanted to ride bike or get back to the gym lifting, like, hey, I want you to go out. Um, you're doing really well. Take a week, go ride your bike, go back to the gym, do whatever you want to do. I'm going to see you in seven days. If your restrictions are gone, your pelvis is square, you're feeling good, hey, you're, you're good to go then. Love it. Um, so manual therapy sounds like you're getting a huge lift um, in terms of reputation, marketing, your brand uh, within the communities you're in, making a difference there, um, ultimately flipping the pyramid in, in those, those areas, which is awesome. Um, so quick, Chad, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, so in, in that thought process just kind of throwing this out there so yes you know you can get those patients better right away but in the long term that flips the pyramid because essentially what you don't want to do is keep a patient for 20 visits that's better in in eight visits right because what ends up regardless of how busy your practice is if it's slow you know, or busy, because what ends up happening is that patient gets that thought process in their head. Oh my gosh, you know, I, I have to go back to physical therapy that requires 20 visits. 
right? If, if we can get the thought process of get that patient in, get them better. Like, I wish I could tell you your pain is going to go away forever. It's not like I, I have back pain a couple times a year that I got to get the guys to, to work on. But if you can get them better and get them better consistently faster, they're going to come back to you every single time because they know that they're going to get that result. And I think in turn, that builds our reputation in the community. It builds our reputation in the medical world. And we flip the pyramid. Yeah, great. This podcast is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for practice growth. Breakthrough has helped over 1,500 healthcare practice owners leave a bigger impact in their communities and grow a larger business. As the founder of Breakthrough, I've developed a library of educational resources on practice growth. These are based on my learnings from my own experience as a private practice owner, plus the experience working with thousands of other owners in the Breakthrough community. If you have a growth mindset and you're hungry for free resources to help you grow, check out Breakthrough's resource hub. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources, where you'll find on-demand trainings, tools, templates, planning guides, and a host of other free resources. Again, you can find these at getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. If you're interested in getting direct support with your practice growth, you can request a free growth consultation at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. The, I, I know you're doing um, some work in neuropathy right now. Uh, can you talk about how you're thinking through that? So you're not only doing uh, musculoskeletal, um, but you're also uh, focused on helping people with neuropathy. What are you doing there? Yeah, that's been pretty cool. So initially, um, Coral, Coral reached out to us and asked us if we could test uh, one of the new neuropathy treatments on the market, the new, new fit. So essentially what happened was we tested the neuropathy funnel at our practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we needed neuropathy patients in there. And I was, I was like blown away. I was like, we, we live in a pretty small town. Like there are literally 1200 people in the borough limits. Now we have, you know, sprawl that's going on all around us, but we had 31 people register the first, um, the first time that we put the workshop out there. So <clears throat> essentially we had the, brought those, those patients in. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to see what the combination effect was of doing manual therapy, going to that neural approach with these patients who had neuropathy, as well as combining it with the direct current of the new fit. Um, so essentially we tested two different um, trials. We had nine patients in each trial and we found a significant change uh, in three quarters of the patients in both trials uh, with a combination of the manual therapy hands-on spinal approach as well as uh, combining it with the new fit. And this is primarily a diabetic neuropathy? So yeah, so some of it's diabetic neuropathy, some of it's um, just a peripheral. I mean, we've we've had patients, uh, we're doing EMGs in our clinic. So uh, we've had patients that had, you know, just a sensory neuropathy, some had a motor neuropathy. Um, I had a patient that had, you know, uh, chemotherapy-induced neuropathy, uh, alcohol-induced neuropathy. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of different different types of neuropathy. Okay, fair enough. Um, 
you're also doing, uh, you've either completed or you're about to complete a fellowship in diagnostics. Yep. Yeah. What are you doing there? Yeah, so that's been, that's been pretty cool. Um, it's really interesting, the educational uh, approach with, with diagnostics. You know, we, we learn a lot of, of neurology uh, in our physical therapy uh, training, but what we overlook is the peripheral um, nerves, uh, the peripheral nerve fields. Um, and there's a lot of that in the training for, um, for the diagnostic portion of it. So we've been going through the HODS, HODS program um, and that's, that's been great. Their educational uh, portion of it is, is top notch. Um, the really cool part for us is, for example, you know, uh, patients that go see their family doctor with, uh, you know, rotator cuff pain or shoulder pain in general. So we're, we're also doing uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound. So there's 20, I think the literature is 26% of all patients that go to a family practice uh, for shoulder pain have some sort of rotator cuff lesion. So for us to find that out on day one, putting the musculoskeletal ultrasound on that patient, like how, how bad is this? Like, do you have a tear that's 50%? Um, do you have just a small tear? Do you have just tendinopathy or do you have like a, almost a full thickness tear? And then for us to be able to make appropriate referrals out to surgeons has been golden for our practice. Like it really increases the level of trust, not only from the patient that you send, that you found that, you know, full thickness tear, but also the level of trust of the orthopod that you're, you're referring to. And that's, that's, been, that's been probably the most significant aspect of it. Great. So you're doing musculoskeletal ultrasound and EMGs. Yep. Correct. Right. Um, very cool. And then, uh, so private practice questions for you, uh, 13-ish years in right now. Um, yeah. So what are, uh, when you think about your transition from, uh, you know, the manager um, and the work hardening with your, uh, I believe you said, uh, kinesiology background, right? Yep. Um, and, you know, going through the DPT program and then coming out and being a practice owner, what were some of the challenges that you anticipated? And then what did you really face once you were out? Hmm. So go back um, to 2005, you had a vision of what you were yeah. going to do, right? And then you, you earned your DPT. And then what, what were the real challenges there? I, I mean, you know, I was kind of like pie in the sky at that point. Like I had gone through, I mean, I mean, we, I consider myself super lucky and I don't say this because I'm on your podcast, but like we had some really good training overall. Like I, I say this often, like basically for me, I, my course, my career direction was pretty easy. I essentially copied all your paperwork and everything that you had developed, your systems, and took it and re replicated it in Quarryville. So that part wasn't that difficult for me. Um, and when we first started out, uh, you know, th there there were some bumps in the road, certainly. Um, you know, now now it's just a completely different landscape. We have so so many compliance issues, um, so many insurance um, issues. 
you know, we're trying to change physical therapy and elevate physical therapy, but man, we have such this, we have such a wide variety of treatments uh, that physical therapies, therapists provide, I think in private practice. So, uh, you know, I don't know that that necessarily affects us, but just talking about our practice and private practice in a whole, I think sometimes that um, can be can be detrimental. Um, patients are unsure sometimes, I think, what they're going to get uh, at different times, depending on what, what clinic they're in. Very fair. Um, th- just thought of this. I, I don't believe on this podcast we've ever... Uh, we've talked, we've mentioned flipping the pyramid, but we ever, I, I never went through and actually explained what it was. Since you mentioned it, would you mind going through and explaining what it means to you? What it, like how you think about doing that? Yeah. So, so flipping the pyramid to me is, you know, we have about, <clears throat> we have about 3.5% utilization uh, in the United States for, for physical therapy. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're all vying for 3.7 million or trillion dollars of uh, healthcare money. But, but that is not the most important thing. I mean, I think physical therapists in general, uh, you know, want respect. They want, a, they want a, a higher seat in in the hierarchy of everything. So what's happening now is all these patients are being sent to the hospitals. They, they, they choose pharmaceuticals. And essentially what happens is that that's the first choice. That's where patients go when they have musculoskeletal nerve or joint pain. Flipping the pyramid for me is creating an increased public awareness for the need of physical therapy. To have the public drive insurance companies, congressmen, Medicare, everybody to say, hey, like when I go to physical therapy, I get better. And this is where I wanna go first. And that to me is flipping the pyramid where we create this situation where we are the first providers. We're the ones that see those patients with musculoskeletal joint or nerve pain. We see them first. And from there, um, we have excellent differential diagnosis skills. Um, We have the ability to change that patient on the very first visit. If it doesn't go the way it should go, then we're gonna refer that patient out appropriately. That's my vision for it. Love it. What's the best way for uh, our listeners to uh, learn more about you, contact you? You, you can do it. I won't give your cell phone out, but uh, email <laughs> or uh, website where you want to point them to. to or yeah, to. I mean, I think just go to nefpt.com. Like, I, I'm, this is our goal, like to help physical therapy. So whatever anybody needs, I mean, we're, we, we have a whole team that, that is committed to this. So um, if, if I personally, I'll put, put you in touch with somebody that's, that's pretty amazing and on our staff. Great. Dan Neff, DPT, thank you very much for being on the podcast here, man. You, you crushed it. Thanks, Chad. Always good spending time with you, man. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, 
Thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.